Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bibles and let's go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Last week I gave you kind of a preview of what we're going into over the next few weeks in a series I've called Planted, and about the importance of church, about the importance of us in church. Uh, not only us being in church, but we all have a part to play. We all have something to give. We all have a service for the church. I need some good amen. This is, this is the time to start amening. Anyway, all of you are extremely important to the kingdom of God and to the church of the living God. Amen. He didn't just call you to come and warm a seat, even though that's a good thing to do. He gave you a gift. He gave you something that somebody else needs, and he gave something to somebody else that you need. And that's what makes the body of Christ a beautiful thing and helps us understand that we need each other. You know, Paul kind of gave this example. He said, what if the thumb said to the hand, I don't need you anymore, and just jumped off the hand? Is the thumb going to do well without that hand? No, it's going to die. And you are all individual members of the body of Christ, which means you function at your most liveliness and health and vitality when you're connected to the body, when you're part of the body, when you are a contributing factor to the body of Christ and a serving body. Because when all of us are doing our part, because God's not expecting you to do everything. He just wants you to do what he's called you to do. That's it. It's that simple. So we all have something. Some part to play, but when we're all in it together, we're all functioning and operating together, then the church grows. There's health in the body, and Jesus' mission gets accomplished because he said, I will build my church. You know, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Economics, uh, uh, in, economics increases and it decreases. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Jobs come, they go, right? Things fail. And we've seen that over the last year what a pandemic can do to the entire planet, right? So we, we were kind of brought into this shock of, no, not everything is certain, right? You get used to a certain way, and now all of a sudden it ain't that certain way anymore. But the church of the living God is certain, and it is growing, and it is being built by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the surest thing that's happening in the earth, amen, because he is the one who's making it happen, and we are all doing it with him. See, he's called us alongside. It's more than doing something for God. We're doing it with him. The Bible calls us co-laborers with Christ. Amen. Uh, there, there are things in, that I've done in this world that, that I saw no actual results from, that they flopped or they failed. But I'm glad to be a part of something that there's no chance of that. Amen. Amen. And so because you're here, because you're here, then things are better. Tell somebody that next to you. Tell them, because you're here, things are better. Amen. Amen. So, um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you this joke right quick. I was not going to, and then thought, these two boys are walking home from church after hearing his strong message about the devil, and uh, one said to the other, what do you think about all this Satan stuff? The other boy replied, well... You know how Santa Claus turned out. It's probably just your dad. <laughs> Picking on dads today because it's Mother's Day, okay? All right. We started this series by looking at two kings from the, from the Old Testament, one King David and one by the name of King Asa. And we found um, this pattern with these two kings. 
And David has a realization one day as he's, he's sitting in his palace and the Lord, you know, had anointed, had the prophet come anoint him as a boy that he would be the future king of Israel. Now he is the king and he's sitting in his beautiful palace made out of cedar that had been imported in from Lebanon. And, and he's up there enjoying this view and he looks out and he sees this tent because that's where they have church. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant that housed the presence of God at that time, it was in that box and it was under that tent. And something dawns on David in that moment. He says, how is it that I dwell in this opulence? I dwell in this house made of cedar and my God lives in a tent. I've got to do something about that. And so he had it in his heart to build something for God. And he said, this house that we build for God, the house of God must be extraordinary. It must be magnificent and it must be famous in all the earth. This must be the greatest house that we build. And so it pleased God. God said, it was good that you desired to do this for me, David. However, you're not the one to do it because not only are you a king and you're a worshiper, but you're also a warrior and you've got a lot of blood on your hands. And I cannot have my house built by a man with too much blood on his hands. But Solomon, your son, can do it. And Solomon, who is the son of peace, uh, was uh, commissioned by King David to build the house of God. David said, I'll make preparations for it. And David's made so many preparations for this house. Listen to what he said to his son Solomon. He said, of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. All right, they had massive contributions to build the house of God. As a matter of fact, they said that the gold was so prevalent there that silver basically had no value to it. Asa, another king of Israel, did the same thing. He brought precious things into uh, the building of the house of God. He brought gold and silver and, and utensils for the house of God. And through those two kings, we learned something really powerful that a heart for God translates into a heart for God's house. We want to do something for God and for his house. And, and as I said, the Lord was well pleased. And so when Solomon built this house, the Lord came and visited him once he had got all the construction done. And he said, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built to put my name there forever. Now listen to this. And my eyes and my heart will be there forever. Wow. God apparently liked this. My eyes and my heart will be there forever. Now, what's interesting is, is that Temple of Solomon no longer exists. Matter of fact, the Babylonians came in in 586 BC and they pummeled Jerusalem, completely uh, tore down uh, Solomon's temple, and they led the Jews away into captivity for a number of years. Well, some time went by and these two men, one by the name of Ezra, one by the name of Nehemiah, Ezra was a scribe and a priest and Nehemiah was a builder. And they had it in their heart to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild it, to rebuild the city and ultimately to rebuild the house for God. And so they were given permission by the king to do it and they did it and they built a, mar a marvelous piece of architecture. And later on, years later, King Herod, who was actually a terrible uh, king, who he, he, was, he had the nickname the Butcher of Bethlehem. Remember when he heard news about Jesus, this new king that was born by the Magi or the, the three wise men, he decided he was going to kill every male child in the area from two years old and under just to make sure that he didn't have anybody, any competition to his throne. But this same Herod also built onto, added to 
that house of God structure and really made it marvelous and, and kind of made it a city within a city. And one day the disciples were walking with Jesus when he was going about doing his teaching and they, and they said, Lord, look at this. Look at this building. Isn't it marvelous? And they're in awe of it. And Jesus said, don't get too crazy excited about that building. It's coming down. And I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. And in A.D. 70, that very thing happened. When Titus came marching in, and again, Jerusalem was obliterated, and the temple was completely deconstructed. Not one stone was left on another. And now on that holy temple mount in Jerusalem sits uh, an Islamic mosque. So where did God's eyes go and where did his heart go? If you said it's going to be there forever in the house of God, well, we have to go to the New Testament to get that understanding so that we can know where we fit in in this whole deal. And the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is talking to his number one son in faith by the name of Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And he says these words, I write you, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So now we understand that the house of God today is the church of the living God. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right here. You are the church of the living God and you are members of this body. Isn't that powerful? And so this means that his eyes are on you and his heart is with you always. I love this. Where God's people are assembled together, this is his house. I'm glad to know that his eyes are on us right now and that his heart is with us right now in this moment. Now, I want to just get into a couple of new things before we dismiss today. In Genesis chapter 28, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis 28. At this point in Genesis, we are in the life of a man by the name of Jacob, who is the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac. And we're going to pick up in verse 10. I'm going to read through 22, so stick with me because I want you to get this, uh, at least most of this story, okay? We've got to get the context of it. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What a cool dream, huh? And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Imagine this. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, now we need to pay attention to these words. We'll come back to them in just a moment. But I want you to just mark this. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said these words. Verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, or this is the gateway to heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, 
and poured oil on top of it. Verse 19, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the, that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Verse 22, final verse. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Bless this service, Lord. Bless every family that's represented here. I pray that you would grant to all of us now in this moment the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. That the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, Lord, that we may know the hope of our calling. We are here to give attention to your word. Lord, we've laid, laid aside our, our busy schedule to come to the house of God, to hear from you because your words are life to those who find them and they are health to all their flesh. Your words are words of wisdom. Your truth endures to all generations. And Lord, right now in this time in the earth, we need the surest thing that there is in this world. We need to know the truth because it's the truth that we know that you reveal to us that makes us free. And we thank you for freedom in Christ through the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know. And I want to remind you today, my family, that the Lord is in this place. Right now. You know why? You know why I know that? How I know it? Because you're here. And if you are a child of God, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again from the dead, you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, then you have his living presence in you right now. The same spirit, the Bible says, that raised him from the dead lives or dwells or abides in you. That means wherever you go, he goes. So since you came in here today, so did he. See, God wasn't waiting for us to have church. He wasn't here going, oh, I hope they show up today. And when we leave, he's not going to be with, with his face pressed against the glass doors until next week. No, when you go, he goes with you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now, it's incredible how he expresses his dynamic presence when we're together. It's a little bit different than when the way he does when we're just as individual members of the body of Christ. There's something powerful about the corporate dynamic where God reveals himself in very special ways because he loves that you're here today. He loves this. And, and how many, now I'm just, I'm just want to just throw some thought provoking questions because listen, I've gone through the same thing myself, but how many times have we come to the house of God? Have we gathered together and not realized for ourselves that the Lord was in this place? We had other things on our mind, right? We got distracted. We got distracted. The Lord is in this place. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on a second. I got some notifications here. The Lord is in this place. And he has something to reveal to all of us. He has something to give to us. He has help for us. But the Lord also has something to receive from us. He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? He's worthy of our worship and our adoration. He's worthy of our gifts. He's worthy of our service. He's worthy of our attention. Now, I've been in church my whole life. 
since the day I hit the ground. And I have to admit that I'm guilty of having taken it casually from time to time. And I realize I'm the only one in this room that's done that. Thank you for leaving me up here hanging by myself. They are like, you loser. You need to get saved, pastor. You know, I've come out of duty. I, I, I've told you this before. I used to come just because I was scared of my dad. I was afraid he'd kill me if I didn't show up at church. He, he probably would have. You know, got in the teen years. Let's see the girls. Those are, you know, whatever gets you here, I'm just happy you're here. But, you know, I do think about those times and I wonder about what, what did I miss out from God because I wasn't thinking of that incredible truth that the Lord is in this place, right? Missed opportunities, missed experiences, missed encounters. And so the older I get, the more I want to minimize missed experiences. Amen? I want my heart set on the house and set on him when I get here, ready with an expectation. Because you know what I found out? Whatever I expect, that's what he'll give. Now, he'll go exceedingly abundantly above all, but whatever expectation, I, whatever attitude I bring, whatever I come to receive from him, he's ready to give it. He's not going to force himself on me, but he is a well that never runs dry. Right? He has got eternal wisdom and riches of grace, richness of grace. And, and I don't want to be one of those who's just like, I'll take a little here, a little here, a little here, and, and be satisfied with that when there's the deep things of God. And the Spirit is searching the deep things of God. I think I'm in the right church, right? And we all kind of have that in common, right? You know, people come to church for, for many reasons. Some come, and that's good enough, Right? <laughs> I went to church. I made it to church this week. You know, had a rough morning. Maybe had things to do with getting the kids around the house. Uh, around the house that morning was like performing heart surgery. You know, husband or wife. Today it's the husband being a boogerhead on the way to church, and you know, maybe you got in a fight on the way here, and but you made it. All right, you're you're here. You got the seat warmed up, right? And maybe the goal is simply to make it to church. I'm glad you're here. Some come for the music. I mean, why not? I mean, this faith in this worship team, is that amazing? You know, they just bring us right into the presence of God, and it's a, it's a powerful thing. Some come for their kids, you know. we got a great kids program here. But, you know, my moms and dads have, have, you know, lived enough life where they've been beaten up a little bit by life, so they realize the importance of having kids here to get them into the knowledge of God as quickly as possible, knowing that we need His help in this world, Right? And the quicker that we can get them in the knowledge of God and get them on that pathway to grow in a relationship with God, we know that their life is going to be better off. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm hoping that all of you have a goal to leave some kind of inheritance for your children. But let me just remind you, the most important inheritance that you can leave your children is a legacy of faith in God. All right? Because money comes, money goes. Stuff grows old, stuff corrupts, and what's special to you today, I'm just here to give you a little reality check. Whenever you die and pass on, your children are going to sell it for pennies on a dollar in a garage sale, right? 
Stuff is just stuff. But this faith in God is something that we can pass on. And faith is where we stay connected to God and his power. Because Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. What can you give your kid better than that? Than to get them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and know that anything's possible for that kid for the rest of their life. If they'll just live by faith, walk by faith, there will be no trouble, no challenge, no circumstance that will be larger than them. Because it's true. Jesus said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Wow. But then there are those who really get it. They come to church because they get it. They understand that the Lord is in this place. He's here amongst his people. And they come and they serve and they give of their time, their talents and their treasures, and they worship the Lord and they are ready to receive the word. They come because they realize the cause, because they are enraptured with the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ the cause of Christ and his church. And we are here to bring as many people to the light as possible. That's why we're here. Because we know what a God encounter can do for somebody. We know that nothing is beyond his ability to help. And nobody is too far gone for his ability to save. There is no sin greater than his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There's no sin greater than his grace. It just swallows up our failures. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have gone, and everything's brand new. This is the reality of living in Christ. You know what's cool about God? He don't hold my sins against me. But man, do we hold our sins against ourselves? Oh man, we beat up on ourselves like we got some higher standard than God. Well, Lord, if you're not going to beat up on me, somebody got to. Because we buy buy into sometimes this religious kind of mentality is if I feel bad enough for it, I won't do it again. Hogwash. That's a lie. And that just keeps you tripping up, tripping up over and over and over again, feeling bad and feeling bad and feeling bad. I can remember part of my church upbringing was if we got got beat up by by the pastor, we really had church today. When the gospel is good news, I said the gospel is good news. I don't understand why, 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 why this isn't preached so much more. It's good news. This doesn't have catches like the good news we get in the world, right? You find out you heard good news in the world, then you, heard out, you find out there was some kind of fine print or a catch to it. You're like, okay, well, what's, what's the other side? Waiting for the other shoe to drop. The gospel's not like that. Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He rose again the third day. There's the gospel. Now, you can either believe it or not. And man, it's hard. It's hard for us to accept the simplicity of that beautiful saving gospel. We're always trying to add to it. Well, first, you've got to admit you're a sinner. Is that what the gospel says? I think we all know we're sinners. <laughs> you got to know you're a sinner. I'm pretty sure I already know that. Hmm? No, what I need to know is he's a savior. And that he died for my sins. 
so I don't have to die from my sins. Woo! And because of him, I live. And in him, we live and we move and we have our being. If you're trying to be a good Christian today, you're going to fail at trying. It ain't about trying. It's about being. Jesus didn't come to make bad behaving people behave better. Jesus came to make dead people live. I am, he said, the resurrection and the life. And when his life is in you, you tend to behave pretty well. Not because you have to or because you should, but because you want to. Because you want to please him. That's good. Amen. Have you ever had this happen to you? Maybe, especially if you've been in church a long time. Something happened where you, you missed a church service or something, and then somebody tells you, you missed the best church service today. Oh, my gosh, the power of God was in the building. The, and you're like, of course. Of course. Every Sunday I go, they just ask for my money. <laughs> Surely the Lord is in this place. We got to know it. We got to know it. We got to be aware of it. And it says that Jacob was afraid. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. Why is he afraid? What's he afraid about? Is there anything really for him to be afraid of? This is what God said to him. I'm going to bless you big time, boy. Man, you're, you're going to expand from the east to the west, north to the south. In you and all your descendants and in your seed, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And I'm going to be with you from the very beginning to the end until everything I've said has come to pass. I'm with you, Jacob. And it says, Jacob was afraid. Well, Jacob wasn't terrorized by this. This wasn't a tormenting kind of fear. This wasn't an anxiety. This wasn't a trepidation. This was a revelation. This was him standing there in awe and reverence. My God, God just talked to me. I've got to do something. Get a rock. <laughs> Pour some oil on it. i got to mark this moment. He took that rock that he used for a pillow. Man, that's, you know, that's a rough night, rough night camping when a rock is your pillow. But he took that pillow and made it into a pillar, and he realized this is the, something powerful, something holy has happened here in this moment, and I didn't realize it until now. But when he awoke to it, he awoke to it. He stayed awake to it. Wow. So now God, God gave him the very same promise that he gave his granddaddy Abraham and his, grand, and his daddy Isaac. And now Jacob's not just hearing this from his grandfather and father. Now God himself has spoken to him. And I'm here to tell you, God has a voice for you. He's a very personable God like that. I'm going to finish with this. Galatians chapter 3. Let's turn there for a moment because we need to ask the question, how does that apply to me today? Jacob's story is cool and all that, but what does that have to do with my life? I'm glad you're asking that question. <laughs> or just in case you are. Here's why it's important for you and how it's relevant to your life in 2021. Galatians chapter 3, it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of of the law. Well, there's the law of Moses. Y'all know the Ten Commandments, right? All right. 
So there was the curse of the law, and here's what the, basically the law went. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Do good, get blessed. Do bad, get cursed. All right? So here's, here's what Jesus came to do. He came to redeem us from that curse of the law. That is the consequences. And the curse of the law, having become a curse for who? Us. I'm glad you said us. Because sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you see us, you, you think us is them. Us is us. The us that's there is the us that's in this room. All right? And so you've been, he became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And here's why he became a curse for us. Just like Jesus had to die so that your sins could be forgiven. He also had to die so that this next thing could happen for you. It's more than just being forgiven, and that's good enough, right? I mean, isn't that powerful that we've been forgiven of all of our sins? Even the ones you did not even thought up yet. All right? You have been forgiven. That's why it's, it's useless to go around, uh, Lord, will you forgive me? I already forgave you. Christ has only died one time. Told you this before, it'd be like me every day. I've been married to heaven. Well, we're going on 27 years in August. If every day I was like, honey, would you marry me? We already did that. Huh? He's forgiven you. You've got to accept that. So that same, so he not only forgave us of all our sins, but now he became a curse for us. In other words, he took the consequence for our failures. And he died in our place because the wages of sin is death. And here's the deal. That the blessing, verse 14, this is so powerful, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. If you're wondering if you're a Gentile, you are. Whether or not you are. There's a 99.8% chance that you are a Gentile. Okay. <laughs> now, I do have a Jewish friend right here on the front row who comes from the tribe of Judah, but he's also part Gentile. I've seen him get mad. We won't call out that country. Okay, anyway, listen, so here's the deal. The Gentiles in Christ Jesus, well, what does that mean? It means those who believe on Jesus. It's that simple, okay? So if you believe on Jesus, you're a Gentile in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, God has given us the same ability to receive the blessing of Abraham that Abraham did by believing God. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, all right? And Abraham received everything that he got from God by faith in God. See, God will not let you try to earn this thing. Because all of that credit goes to his son. All of the glory goes to Jesus. Jesus did all the work that was necessary so that you would not have to work and strive in a relationship with God. He made you to walk by faith. 
and to live a life believing him and uh, by believing him, knowing that all things are possible and knowing that you are blessed of God. The blessing specifically of Abraham has come into your life. What is that blessing? It's a generational blessing. This is why you can have an expectation as a believer that it don't stop with you. It goes down to your kids. It goes down to your grandkids. It goes down to your great-grandkids because that's exactly what the blessing was on Abraham. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Woo! My God is the God of Eric, of Madeline, and Laurel, and Dylan, and Tessa Rose, and Boston Riley. Amen. And Heather. We're same generation. Right? You can expect this because Jesus died for you to have it. Receive that blessing into your life. Huh? Pronounce that over your family. We're blessed with the blessing of Abraham. My children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. They will be strong in the Lord, and they will do great things in the earth. I don't care where you came from. Listen, you get in him, you got all the potential to be great in the earth. Because it's his power in you. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you very much. The very same thing. Think about this. The very same thing that God spoke over them, he's speaking over you today. And how do you get it? You get it by faith. See the house of God like the Titan roller coaster. Anybody ever ridden the Titan at Six Flags? I remember the first time I saw that thing, I was like, that can't be legal. Because when I was a kid, the shockwave was the big ride at Six Flags, right? Two loops, right? And I was scared to death of that as a kid. It was ominous. But then I finally talked myself into getting on the Titan, and I rode that thing. And then after I rode it, I went to ride the shockwave. Nothing shocking about it anymore. It was just kind of a wave. Because the Titan has this hill from hell, right? I mean, it's like, I'm going into the abyss. It's... Listen to me. Why do just ordinary things when the biggest thrill is in the house of God with God's people? Don't settle for the smaller things. This is where we meet with God. This is where you have God encounters. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. I'll finish with this story. There was a, we used to have a, a professional bull rider in our church by the name of Cody Brown. Love Cody. And actually got to go see him right a few times. And I mean, it's, especially when you know the guy, it's exhilarating and scary at the same time. You know, you're excited for them and, and think that they're crazy for even doing this, but you know, you want to see them hold on, right? You want to see them hold on for that eight seconds. And man, that's a long eight seconds. I wouldn't know. I'm just telling what he told me. It's the longest eight seconds of your life. But all that action starts when that gate opens up and and this 2,000-pound bull comes bounding and bucking out of, the, out of the gate. The cowboy holds on for dear, dear life, and hopefully that he can make it for the required eight seconds. This church, the church of the living God, the house of God is a gate. It's a gate where men and women and children come into a relationship with God. And the moment they hear this gospel and they believe, the gate swings wide open. And in one miraculous moment, eternal life comes flooding into their souls, into their spirit. And this new life, thank God, lasts a lot longer than eight seconds. It's forever. 
This is the gate of heaven. My family, this is our cause to be the gateway for people to come to heaven, to come to Christ and therefore go to heaven. We're doing everything we can as a church in this community to stop people from going into eternal separation from God. Not when we've got this great news. Not when we have this facility to invite them. So help me. Would you help me? Bring them here. I'll preach the gospel to them. All right? And let's bring them to the gateway to heaven. Amen. Plant yourself here. Plant your family here. Be a part of what God is doing in the church, and specifically this church, if the Lord has called you here. And I believe that he has called you here. Get your roots down here and be in for the long haul because it is the pillar and the ground of truth. And that truth will make us free and keep us free. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. What an incredible invitation. The gospel is not prejudice. (laughs) The gospel is no respecter of persons. It'll save anybody who will believe. If you're here today and you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never accepted him as your personal savior, you've never made it personal, you've heard the, 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 you know, the verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. If you love the world, then he loved you because you're in this world. And he wants to have a very personal relationship with you He's not satisfied with just being the big man upstairs or the big guy in the sky. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be your father, not just a God, a deity in heaven. And he does more than just absolve us of our sins. He brings us right into his family. Jesus did not die to make disciples. Jesus died to make sons. So that our our life is not about our performance, but it's about our relationship. And he loves you so much that he died for you and he died for your sins. Receive him today. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. I thank you that you have forgiven me of all my sins. I want to be saved. I want eternal life. I want to be in the family of God. I believe that you died for me and I believe that you rose again from the dead. Believe on him today and everything changes for you. From this day forward, you're a whole new creation. From this day forward, you have an assurance that not many people in this world have right now. That this life is here today and gone tomorrow and then you really start living. That this isn't everything to your existence living in this physical body in this physical world. But there's life everlasting. That's a free gift to anybody who believes on him. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I pray for anybody that's here also that needs healing in their bodies or in their minds. You carried our mental anguishes, our mental pains. You took upon yourself our anxieties, our calamities, our sicknesses, and our diseases. You did all of that for us. And by your stripes, we are healed. 
So we partake of your body, which was broken for us. And we remember what that means for us, that we are healed and we are whole because Jesus Christ says so. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for healing hearts here, Lord, healing relationships. Maybe there's some strained relationships represented here today between family members or husbands and wives or moms and dads and children. Father, I pray for healing in these relationships and that love would abound in their hearts again toward one another and that they would, they would let things go. They would forgive one another and not hold one another's sins against each other but to just let forgiveness flow in their homes. There are those that are here today that need provision, Father. Maybe it's a home they need. Maybe it's a car they need. Maybe it's, maybe it's food. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a job, whatever it may be. You said you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Surely the Lord is in this place right now, and he's a very present help in time of need. He's here, and he's concerned about every area of your life. Not just about your spiritual well-being, your whole well-being. And he has provision for you and he has help for you. Just call on him. He'll answer. He'll help you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. And again, a very happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. I pray that you have a blessed day. And now may the Lord bless you. And may he keep you and make his face shine upon you and all of your house and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.